0: Dallas Willard said, we are becoming who we will be. So what exactly is informing who we are becoming and how's that working for us? This is what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to episode 108 of the Walking Closer podcast. We're all formed by our life experiences, but sometimes these experiences shape us in negative ways. And the process of spiritual transformation can help undo those negative impacts so we can live life to the fullest. And Walking Closer is all about this journey through internal transformation where real changes happen from the inside out. When you look at your life, what does it seem to be about? Or if someone else were to examine your life, what would they say it seems your life is about? In our culture, for the most part, what you see is people working to have stuff. We are busy trying to climb ladders and with education and careers. Maybe we're busy trying to establish our own identities. And so we busy ourselves with those things that reflect who we want to be or what we want to be about. Now, for some, this means their entire lives are consumed with things like pop culture and fitness, maybe their work, sex, money, popularity, their looks, how, how smart they are, accolades, politics, etc. And these things, they drive us. And so much of our lives are driven by what we consume, all the various forms of media and social media, celebrity culture, etc. And and I suggest that just maybe we aren't really living like we might think we are but maybe we are more trapped in these things so we consume them to a point where they end up consuming us so how's that working for us now i know we sometimes have the tendency to go after things like this you know various forms of media pop culture etc and and demonize them And I'm not opposed to these things at all. Like, I love movies and music. I enjoy time spent binge-watching. I I work out five days a week, sometimes six. I I love the work I do. I love to learn, and and I do stay informed with politics. And There are even actors and musicians whose lives I'm interested in, and, and I think that they have interesting stories to tell. And so I don't want to come across as something I am not. However, like many things how these things are used is what determines their effect. And I am simply saying, let's make sure we put them in their proper place and ask, how's that working for us? I think this is important too, because many of these things may not be providing you with what you really need. Like, they're not necessarily good sources to base your life upon, to to base what living is all about. And I think we should be considering what effects they might be having on us. The fact that they can be a source of negative effect tells you something about where their proper place should be in your life. I did some research for a message I was working on back in 2018 called, Now Do I Have Your Attention? And let me tell you, it was eye-opening. And I came across Tristan Harris, who was a former design ethicist for Google. And I came across a few interviews and talks that he did. And in some of those interviews, here, listen to some of the things that he said. He said, I want you to imagine walking into a room, a control room with a bunch of people, hunched over a desk with little dials. And, and that control room will, will shape the thoughts and feelings of a billion people. Now, this might sound like science fiction, but this actually exists right now, today. And I know because I used to be in one of those control rooms. I was a design ethicist at Google where I studied how do you ethically steer people's thoughts. And there's a whole bunch of persuasive techniques that I learned in college at a lab called the Persuasive Technology Lab to get people's attention. Now, did you hear what he said? Did you hear that? You are a hot commodity in the attention economy. Your attention is in high demand, and we have figured out tricks and subtle techniques to grab and keep that attention. And this is where we are today. Now, that is important to understand if we're going to figure out how to navigate within this sort of economy, because the things we give our attention to are driving who we are becoming. So how is that working for us? I came across another video from an ex-porn star, it was an interview, who had become the most decorated male porn star ever. He had left the porn industry and was talking about the effect porn had on him. He said that he got to the point that he didn't know what love was and didn't know if he could feel love anymore. He obviously again said he looked at women like objects, that there was no emotion involved. He couldn't feel anymore, and eventually he was doing porn to buy the drugs to bury the pain. Pornography, he said, changed how he thought and felt about women. He lost the ability to have a loving and caring relationship. And at some point, he said he wanted off the merry-go-round. And eventually, he walked away and never went back. And that's when he said he actually began his life. See, this is someone who realized it wasn't working for him. Now, I get that seems like an extreme example to give, but it does make the point, and, and, and I'm not so sure it's that extreme. Like, while people may not be rushing to become porn stars, accessing porn is as easy as getting water, and the effects it has on those who consume it are similar, if not worse, than on those who produce it. And again, It may seem like an extreme example, but we're now living in a time where something that was scarce and hard to come by is now easily available for free. And it's it's having a tremendous effect on people in a negative way. So how's that working for us? How many child stars have been negatively affected by all the attention, the demand, and expectations they faced? we see its negative effects on adult actors and actresses as well. Like we have all seen and probably even experienced for ourselves the negative effects social media can have. But these effects they aren't new. I grew up seeing the negative effects some music had on people. Like when i was a teen i saw how strong the pull some some rap music had. So there was this desire to portray what you were listening to, to portray the lifestyle and attitude. And it wasn't just rap music. There were other genres that that did the same thing. So I'm not picking on rap music. I actually like some rap. I have an eclectic taste in music, and there aren't many styles I don't like to listen to. But that being said, it's just another example of how what we consume fuels who we are becoming. So how's that working for us? And again, I'm not opposed to movies and music and social media or media in general. I'm simply saying we, we need to acknowledge that we cons- what we consume is, is fueling who we are becoming. And we need to put things in their proper place. And, and for many people, their lives are informed by these things. And I am simply asking you to determine whether or not what you are consuming is a good source, a good source to base your life upon. And of course, it's, it's it's at this point that you would expect me as a Christian to bring Jesus into the mix. And, and you're right, because I see Jesus as being very practical and relevant to well, living life. But I also understand that this is not necessarily how Jesus or the gospel is commonly portrayed today. And to this, I would ask the same question. How's that working for us? So Dallas Willard actually addressed this in The Divine Conspiracy. He, he said, that the the Jesus and the gospel are predominantly portrayed as as things that only address what happens after we die, and and in doing so, it, it essentially eliminates God from our day to day reality. And this is a large reason why Jesus is not seen as practical as as someone who has anything to say about you know how you live your life or our lives today. And if and if God is not completely eliminated from the day to day relevance, we Basically, reduce God down to a force of fear to, to motivate you to get things right. Because if, if you don't, bad things are going to happen to you when you die. It's like we have reduced life down to what it takes to make the cut when you die. No like, wonder so many people are walking away from Jesus. And many have never wanted anything to do with him. And Again, how's that working for us? Dallas said it this way. Does Jesus only enable me to make the cut when I die, or to know what to protest, or how to vote, or agitate and organize? It's good to know that when I die, all will be well, but is there any good news for life? Like if I had to choose, I would rather have a car that runs than good insurance on one that doesn't. Can I not have both? And what social or political arrangements, however important in their own right, can guide and empower me to be the person I know I ought to be. And while I think there can be some good things in social or political movements, and they can potentially lead to, to, to some good outcomes, but they within themselves, they don't bring about the healing and transformation that is needed within the human condition, like that's within the heart. See, things like activism, voting, and championing good causes can do some good but they don't necessarily address the heart of the issue. And that's why they, they most often lead to laws being proposed and passed. And, and again, how is that actually working for us? Like if they were able to address the heart of the issue, there would be no need for a law to be created. Laws, laws are there to force people to do things they won't necessarily naturally do. You see, things like activism and social movements and championing good causes, they can bring our attention to certain things so, so they have their place. But they don't necessarily address the heart, which is why we didn't feel like forced change is necessary. But again, how's that working for us? And, and as like as I said, I'm not opposed to activism and social movements, etc. They have their place and they can be good forces, but how is that working for us? And I I am more about addressing the condition of the heart. It's something, it's one thing to bring attention to something, it's another thing to actually address the core issue. These are the, the these things again have their place but they're limited in what they can do. The reality the reality that racism is still alive and well regardless of laws or movements that have taken place over the last century is is a testament to what I am saying. It's like You can bring attention to something as long as you want. But at some point, the heart has to be addressed if lasting change, transformation, is to become a reality. And I think we get the same effect when we turn what Jesus says into law or dogma as well. And again, how's that working for us? So when we see what Jesus said as law or dogma, We don't see it as addressing the heart necessarily. Jesus addressed the human condition. He addressed the matters of the heart, which law is inadequate to do. You see, it's the practical that addresses the heart. It's the relevant and practical that touched the heart. And and this is what Jesus did. This was Jesus' approach. John said it this way, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind." And in other words, he he illuminated or manifested to us how to live life and live it abundantly. And that makes him practical and and relevant and makes him someone whose teachings, if we consume them as such, can actually be beneficial in helping us become the best version of ourselves, the way we were created to be. Think of Think of how much more change could actually be enacted if we took the teachings of Jesus as practical and relevant and if we learned how to address matters of the heart. How much more valuable would our movements be? How much more life-changing could our policies be? How real transformation could actually take place in this world? And we wouldn't have to try and rely upon laws or legislations. And imagine if we consume the principles of Jesus taught as practical and relevant, and it influenced the way media even function. Like, what the impact could be on media producers and artists? Now, I actually think we have people creating content that is guided by these principles, and you can see it in how what they're producing touches on matters of the heart. And it's not just Christian media. But with all that being said if we who call ourselves followers of Jesus aren't seeing it all as practical and relevant, and if we ourselves aren't able to demonstrate to others the same, I guess all we really have to motivate ourselves and others is fear. And I guess if we think Jesus came to instill fear in the hearts of people, then I can see how we would feel justified in our approach and what we have made of things. And I, I think This is a gross misrepresentation of Jesus. To that, I would ask, how's that working for us? I simply want to invite you to consider these things, the proper place, what you're consuming and how it is determining who you are becoming and ask yourself, how's this working for me? Now, if you're interested in a TED Talk done by Tristan Harris that I made reference to earlier, there's tons of things out there, interviews that he's done, and this is just one of them. The TED Talk he, he did, you know, he was the former Google design ethicist. Like, the fact that you have a, Google has a design ethicist to study, you know, the ethical way in directing people's thoughts. Uh, that should tell you something. Well, there's a link in the description if you want to watch that TED Talk and also the short interview with a former male porn star that I mentioned earlier. There's a link in the description for that as well. You actually find that on a YouTube channel called Fight the New Drug, which is a, and this is how they refer to themselves as a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on human or harmful effects using only science and facts and personal accounts I find it very, very insightful, regardless of what you believe, what your faith is in, you know, where your hope lies. And so if you want to check that out. And finally, if you're interested in watching a series a Dallas taught on the divine conspiracy, uh, there, there's also a link to that in the description as well. It's a playlist of um, some videos that were created while he was teaching on, on this, this book Okay, so that's all I have for you right now. Uh, Join me next time as we continue to point out various beneficial concepts from Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy. We're not even out of chapter one yet, guys. So, um, yeah, check that out. Um, And thanks so much for tuning in. And grace and peace. And I'll talk to you soon.